When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. From the Mobile Pod World Headquarters, this is the Carolina Insider from Learfield IMG College. We're back. Time for another edition of the Carolina Insider. Jones, Adam here with you. Adam, Adam, Adam. It's Friday. It's Friday, Friday. Gotta get down on Friday. Everybody's looking forward to the weekend, weekend. Partying, 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 partying. Fun, 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 fun. Looking forward to the weekend. Yeah, second pot of the week. Back in our RB rotation. How you feeling, Adam? This is when it gets real mm-hmm. that it's pod season. Mm-hmm. The first pot of the week. Hey, that could be any pod. It could be any pod anytime between May and mid-August. Yeah. But when you come and do that second pod, when you clock in, when you punch your time card, that's when you know you're back on that double pod rotation. Well, we have a really fun show coming up. So not a ton of Tar Heel news to talk about here at the beginning. We We will address some stuff here quickly. But then we're getting Adam to a follow-up interview from one of our most notable interviews through the beginning of the pod, the first three years. And I say that not because you and I did anything awesome during this interview, because the person we spoke to was so great, and that is former Tar Heel Athletic Director Dick Bedore. Mr. Bedore was with us in the springtime about a year and a half ago and uh, really had a transparent uh, conversation with him about a lot of the things that he dealt with during his time as an AD. And so we follow up with him about some of that stuff. We follow up about what he's doing now and uh, just have another great conversation with him coming up. Look, you don't need to use all those words to describe his interview. You can just say, 
It was potty winning. Yeah, a potty winning interview. The people know what that means. That means he brought the heat. Yeah. And in fact, what a moment at the beginning of this interview where the potty is actually delivered. It got a little dusty in here. I don't mind saying. (laughs) Probably because it's so old. (laughs) (laughs) To to be here at such a moment of high achievement is just not something you get to do every day. We did uh, get some info about new Podworld headquarters. Allegedly, there are some wheels in motion. Uh-huh. <laughs> you mean like since last April? <laughs> I feel good about it, Adam. I think we're going to be there sometime in the next few weeks. <laughs> <laughs> well, now that we've got that locked down. Uh, yes, Michael Jordan, we can go ahead and confirm that interview. We will be in the studio in the next, uh, before Christmas, probably, of 21. <sighs> so... We have the interview with Mr. Bedore coming up. I don't have the big pair of scissors yet anyway. Yeah. So it's need fine. to get those ordered. Yeah. I have a list. You <laughs> I'm coming for you. The world's turning upside down. <laughs> Hold on. We'll be in the new Pond World headquarters <laughs> soon. You don't have to have this anarchy. Shooting my shot at him. Uh, do you have a list? Well, yeah. Oh, I wonder if we have crossover. I, I bet, bet we, we do. do. I'm concerned about that. Um, so anyway, we uh, Adam and I will both have a bunch of stuff to talk about after we get to the interview, but... Adam, as far as Tar Heel stuff is concerned, not really a whole lot of uh, info at this moment from the last time that we spoke. Of course, the biggest news uh, in general is that football is is now just about a week away from, from kicking off its season down in Charlotte against South Carolina. Carolina has moved from training camp mode. They closed that out really on Monday with that open practice uh, that they had in Keenan Stadium, which pretty generic practice as you would expect with it being open um had uh, somewhere between one two thousand fans that showed up to check it out and uh then tuesday the guys were off they had uh first day of classes so fdoc fdoc had that on tuesday and now they're moving more into a regular game week type of scenario where one interesting note is and mac brown has said this publicly it's been out there the team voted they're, they're going to practice early in the morning during the season. So they're actually practicing, I think it's around 8 o'clock is when they're starting, and so they're getting it kind of out of the way early in the day. All the classes have been scheduled to be after that. Um, and so a, a different schedule approach from the team this year as far as practice is concerned. This is kind of the last lull week because next week's like full-on game week. Everything's about South Carolina. You're getting all fired up. But this week, you've got that off day in there because of the first day of classes, but it's not still training camp, so you're not really 100% sure what it is. But I can still be I can still be fired up for Bank of America Stadium. Also coming up, Adam, and in fact, why don't we, before we get to our interview, let's get to our UNC Healthcare Champion Watch. Brought to you by UNC Healthcare. The team at UNC Healthcare is dedicated to caring for champions of all kinds, you and your family included. My family are a bunch of champions, Adam. See our lineup at unchealthcare.org slash sports, and we'll highlight some champions. Carolina women's soccer program got started last night against Indiana. Sure, it went swimmingly, right? Of course it did. I think that it did. And coming up, the ladies are uh, taking on Duke already, coming up this weekend. In the new soccer uh, state, have you been in the new soccer lacrosse stadium? Yes. It is a wonderful facility. 
It is yes. the first time that the soccers have been in there. Uh, the lacrosse programs were able to get in there in the spring for about the back half of their seasons this past spring, but the first time that the soccer programs have been in there. I'm sure all those pro those programs are looking forward to getting moved in over there. Yeah, that's right. They're finishing up the team buildings right now, and all the the coaches, the administrators will be in the team building uh, there, and that the construction on that has just gotten finished up or it will be finished up here in the next few days uh, and so the everybody moving in when i become a high-powered stadium architect mm -hmm. i'll tell you one thing you don't realize until it's not there anymore when you take away a track mm. the stands can difference. get a lot closer yeah. you don't realize how you, it's like at keenan you you just kind of got used to the fact that the it wasn't an official track but it was basically a track right you just got used to the fact that it was there the same thing at fetzer the track's always been there you never saw it without it well, now all of a sudden your stands can be right there. You're a lot closer to the field. Yeah. Really is a gorgeous facility. Likely the best uh, soccer stadium in the country. It really is gorgeous. So Take out likely. You strike that word from the record, sir. <laughs> I've, you, the jury will disregard what Jim's <laughs> just said about likely. It is the best. We've seen them all. Every college soccer pitch in the land. Yeah. Oh, that's right. And, and this is the best pitch. In fact, Adam, as people will learn with a future guest, we've got to lock up our soccer slash football language here soon. Did you see how I just rolled right yeah, into it right really there? Did. Yeah, you really did. Okay, let's get to our interview with Dick Bedore. We're going to go. It's a little bit of a longer interview, but I think you're going to enjoy it. We'll get to that, come back out, and when we return, double list. After our conversation with former Tar Heel AD Dick Bedore here on the Carolina Insider. <laughs> Everyone knows when we have on a national champion, we say right at the beginning of the interview, we're having on another national champion. Yeah, that's true. But this is the first time ever in the many, many moons of the pod that we've been able to say what I'm about to say. Let right me now. hear it. Let me hear it, Adam. <laughs> Today on the pod, a second interview with a potty winner. <laughs> oh, we hadn't told you yeah, about this. Yeah, this is a big – we wanted to do this during the interview. This is this is as big as it gets. <laughs> and, and how on top of it we are. Yeah, exactly. So our guest today is Dick Bedore, longtime Carolina Athletic Director and incredibly nice man. He has been with us before, Jones. Yes, he has. Two years ago during yep. the 2017-18 pod season. You may not know, Mr. Bedore, that at the end of every pod season, we have awards. As like, voted on by listeners. Right. We let the listeners vote, and they're called the potties. Great name, by the way. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, look where we are. <laughs> 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 so the, one of the categories was best interview yep. for 2017-18. Runaway winner. Runaway winner. Demolishing everyone in his path and then talking trash to all of them <laughs> was Dick Bedore. The champion. Do I get an award? Oh, oh yeah. Adam, do you? Adam has had this for over a year, <laughs> ready to deliver. Adam, hold on. Let me take okay. a picture of this. I got to take a we're, picture. We're going to bestow it upon yeah. you. Now, you've won many awards in your I've never won a potty. I've never no, won never. a potty. So this is something that will go right up on the mantelpiece. <laughs> Maybe push aside some family pictures <laughs> so that you can make room for this. This is big time. Uh, Congratulations, sir, on your potty. We hope that you will cherish that uh, in the manner that it should be cherished. 2018 potty winner. 
See you later, Big Grits. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Cookout. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> cookout. I, I forgot Cookout I, was on there. I am uh, I'm speechless. Uh, <laughs> But I would like to thank my mother and father. <laughs> <laughs> it is literally a golden goose, and it is a golden goose. I want, yeah. uh, thank you. I didn't. Yeah. I didn't know really the representation of what, <laughs> what that meant. I was with the, you two. I was really afraid to ask. <laughs> so I well, first of all, thanks for having me back, and I had such great fun with y'all last year. And it, uh, not surprising, amazingly, whatever. I still have people refer to that podcast last week i was playing golf with a guy and he said you know i heard that podcast i guess it was a year ago and i just thought it was wonderful i had a a student that i worked with who is who's in england who's in london and uh, he was over here visiting family and we got together and he said oh i just love loves your podcast so uh, as much as anything i've done i've really gotten positive feedback and i thank you for that because your questions and uh and the atmosphere that, that you create. But I have a confession to make. I knew about the award. Oh. oh. I was I was, uh, I was was wondering if it was like in name only. <laughs> I, was, I was wondering if there'd be a ceremony. Yeah. And I didn't know I'd be in a locker room, you know, for <laughs> I didn't get a chance to invite my, my, my family. But, you know, I told you last year that, uh, or Adam, I think afterwards I told you that uh, my real audience, I had an audience of seven. I know y'all, we have a, the seven grandkids, whether right. they liked it or not. Right. And so I got really positive feedback. And then Jonathan told me that I won the potty. Oh, boy. oh nice. <laughs> so so I, I didn't hear it directly from the right. two of you, but I, but I, uh, I heard it uh, from Jonathan. That's my, that's a, my uh, grandson. A great but, tennis player. A great tennis player. But now, and I beat out. Um, everyone, <laughs> Joe Barry. I remember Joe Barry. That was because this, yeah. this was two years ago, right? Oh, this was two years, two ago. years. Yeah, ago. that's right. For the seventeen eighteen yeah. pod year, pod season. I remember Joe Barry was nominated. I yeah. think Cooter uh, Ben Jones that's was right. nominated. You, you beat played, out Cooter, who played Cooter on Dukes of Hazard. He was nominated. Oh my gosh! Yep, this is really yeah. <laughs> all of a sudden it's seeming a little more important, yeah. a little more serious. Now. Yeah, we appreciate so much you coming back. Tell us a little bit about what, what's been going on in your life here the last uh, couple months and just, just what's taking up some of your time. Well, thank you. And that was, you know, we told, uh, I commented last time that I was sort of gotten all prepped because I thought you were gonna, you guys were going to ask me what I've been doing in retirement. So I'm kind of ready for nope. this. <laughs> it's been two years, <laughs> two, two in, the years in the making. But uh, I, I'm, I'm spending the time when you hear people say, well, I'm going to retire. I want to spend a lot of time with my family. That is that gloriously that has been true for me over uh the last eight years now and uh with seven grandkids here in town and and three families it's uh it's just been fun to do to to watch tennis that i wouldn't see or soccer that i wouldn't otherwise be able to see and um uh linda and i traveled some early on but we haven't done that as much uh lately but we do have a trip coming up to south africa and i love my trip we're excited about i'm playing a lot of golf uh, sometimes I'm playing pretty well. Sometimes I'm not. I was just with uh, Coach Williams, and he asked me about my golf game, and I was explaining. And he said, "Well, that's golf, and that and that and that's true." I'm teaching a course. I'm getting ready the next semester. I mean, next week we start our first session. Uh, it's in the graduate program in sport administration. Uh, that's a two-year program, and I have the second-year students. So in the first year, they're working. Uh, they're doing all their academic work. Or almost all. In the second year, they're interns in the department. 
and the only course that they have in that second year is my course, which is uh, a seminar that meets two hours every other week. It's really kind of been interesting to uh, – let me come back to that in a minute. And the other thing that I I'm, I'm, uh, would say I'm doing is I'm spending a lot of time gardening, mm. which is a surprise for people. Not vegetable gardening, but landscaping and – and uh, plants and flowers, uh, spend a lot of time with that. In fact, I'm uh, pleased to tell the world that the Bedour house is going to be on the Chapel Hill Garden Tour. Oh, wow. At the end of April. How about so, when we get into the new Pod World headquarters, maybe you could come and give us some advice on how to up spruce Master Gardener up. here. I mean, I got this <laughs> thing rolling. I, I just have always enjoyed, grow, enjoyed growing stuff, and that has continued and I love working with my hands and building things, rock walls and pathways and so forth. So it's been a lot of fun. The interesting thing about my class is when I first started uh, teaching, teaching it, I would be sitting with nine, ten students, and they would know me. They would know of me. They would know about decisions, uh, challenges that I faced. And so the questions are, are flowing, and it, that's, it's that kind of seminar. Well, over the last couple of years, I've noticed a change. I was like, what's, you know, what's kind of going on here? Well, here's what's going on. <laughs> These kids were being born the year that I was appointed <laughs> AD. <laughs> so when I throw out Carl Torbush or Bill Friday or John Bunning or Matt Doherty there, they may have a sense of that, but not much right. of those times. They were 12 and 13 when the NCAA started its investigation. Now they're 35 now. (laughs) (laughs) So the the, the urgency of some of the things that I dealt with are not felt by these these kids. So I have to kind of figure out a way to bring my experiences to the table uh, put them uh, because they're dealing a lot in theory, but I'm dealing more in practical, and so to, and 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 I'm drawing on things of my own experience that they don't really know about. Sure. So I'm having to do some education there. That's okay. I'm having a good time with it. Fun. I had Cam Johnson in my course yep. last year, and what a great student and a, a a good member of of that group he was. You talked about the time you're getting to spend with your family. One of the most impressive things about the Bedore family is your name is on the wall at Brit's Donuts in Carolina Beach. Are those the best donuts anywhere since they have the Bedore seal of approval? Unparalleled. There's nothing Ooh. like them. You, I mean, they're just, it is. And they have received national recognition for this, Jones, if you've never had I've one. never been there. You've never been there? Never yeah, been there. You need I mean, to I've been to Carolina Beach. Right. Oh, yeah. You get, it's on the boardwalk. You've been to Carolina Beach, and you didn't go to Brits. <laughs> you just got a lecture, I, I, sir. I, 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 you got I a strong talking to. to. <laughs> well, there's a line out the door. For, really? For Brits Donuts. And don't go in and say, I want chocolate glazed. No, don't do that. It doesn't exist. So it's, what should I order? You can't order. You just got to order a donut. A that's just it. A qu- that's oh, right. Okay. That's right. A quantity. Hmm. Uh, you, but they're smaller than what you're used to. So don't say, like, I want one. Right. Because that's yeah. lame. You got to go either half dozen or dozen. And they're going to be the temperature of the sun when you receive them, but you eat them right then. And you just suffer the blisters on your <laughs> mouth because they're so delicious. All right. And, and you can take them home, but they've lost. Yeah. The, I mean, they're gonna it's really got to happen then. 
It's got to happen in the moment. Absolutely in the moment. And uh, Bobby and Maxine, they're the owners. They're great friends. In fact, we, we were down there this summer for two weeks and uh, and had lunch with them. They're wonderful people. He's got a Carolina hat on every time he's – I mean, you watch them. They make them all right there in front of you. I mean, it is – you talk about a throwback. This is a throwback. But Bobby always has on a Carolina hat. And he's he's a good friend and he's a good supporter. And the store is like the size of Pod Mobile World Headquarters. That's really. true. We're not talking about some fancy facility. Do they have access to a restroom like we do here? It's about the same. <laughs> about the same. <laughs> Mr. Bedore, I'm I, glad you brought that up. <laughs> when Mac Brown was announced as Carolina's next head football coach, I'd just be interested in your your reaction to that. Obviously, you knew Mac many years ago. Uh, my my reaction was very positive. It was uh, then Carolina football is going to get back on the track. Mm-hmm. Um, I had uh, confidence uh, that that would happen. Uh, number one, uh, I think Max a great coach. Um, people talk about how well he recruits, and and he is. He's a very very effective uh, recruiter, and he will surround himself. Uh, with good recruiters, and he'll surround himself with uh, with good coaches. Uh, and Max a very good coach. Uh, that's the first thing. Second thing is is that he's a good CEO, and he gets he gets the the notion that in any sport to be successful, your cadre, your the people around you, your sports medicine, your sports information, your the people who clean up your building, that it, that's all got to all be together. And uh, those details are important to him, and he will ensure that that building and that program is is pulling together, and everybody's on the same page. And I don't and I only know two of his staff. Well, no, I know. Excuse me, I know three of his staff. Um, and I know. I mean, Dre has never coached, but I can imagine that he that he will be a good coach. I know he'll, with his strong personality, I know he'll be a, a good recruiter and. And I've seen Tommy firsthand. Um, and so I, I just know that Mac's always going to have really, really good people around him. And and the university needs to support him. And I, I feel a tremendous amount of excitement. Um, you know, I don't know enough about the personnel to know what uh, we'll be like this year. I can't uh, really comment on that. I think they'll be well coached. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think. We'll see the discipline issues that um, that we had that hurt us so badly. Um, but I suspect, given the way I know he can recruit, given time, that we'll be at the very top of the ACC. I expect that. So I'm excited for, for him. I'm excited for North Carolina. And I'm excited for Carolina football. I mean, it, it needs to get back where it was, and it needs to stay there. We've had brilliance in, in Carolina football history. We have not been able to sustain it. Why do you think that has been the case? And Adam and I were talking yesterday, and in the 20-plus years since Mac left the first time, Carolina's about a 500 team, actually a little bit under 500. Why why do you think that's been such a challenge to sustain that for Carolina? Oh, that's a fair question. It's a good question. And I don't really really have a good good answer. Uh, You know, we've made – I've made been a part of some hiring decisions that didn't turn out uh, that I would have expected to, to turn out well, 
and that others expected uh, to turn out well, but for various reasons it didn't. And I mean, I guess you just have to start there. You always have to start at the top. And so that's been a problem. I certainly thought that um, that Larry had it going. I did not know him well, uh, but but I certainly observed and watched and, and, uh, and liked the things that he was doing. And I don't have a good answer for that part. Uh, often it's leadership. Often it's uh, you, you don't have the person uh, to lead the program that uh, that you would want to be, to have it done right. What was it like to come to work in 1995, 96, 97, and you've got right here in the Smith Center, you've got Dean Smith. Over at Keenan, there's Mac Brown. That's two very accomplished coaches, not to mention right around the corner is Anson Dorrance, who wins everything all the time. What was that like to, to – be in charge of that and have to manage all those personalities and programs. <laughs> well, the personalities, uh, uh, yeah, that's that's a great question. I've always been uh, coach oriented. I've I've always felt like I I, I, st- I stood in front of one of my first meetings with the head coaches and said, "I'm not a facilities guy. Um, I don't think people come to the University of North Carolina because of great facilities." Now, $300 million later, <laughs> which is during my time of, of what we spent. So I, I had some focus on. But I felt like it was the strength of the coaches, of the programs that they developed that, that uh, brought him. So so what I, I saw is my mission and what I wanted to convey people on staff and throughout the department was that we're in the service business. We're in the service business to our student athletes and we're in the service business to our coaches. They're the frontline people. They're the people at the point of attack. They're the people that all of our success depends on on their success. So whatever their differences are within a large framework, let's celebrate them. Let, let, you can't treat everybody the same. You've got to have – Anson is brilliant at coaching. As an administrator – Mm, not so brilliant. <laughs> he would smile at that. He'd be okay with that. Well, let's get answered in the support. We need to cover that that kind of thing. Let's let's. We, we don't want him to go away because he's not a great administrator, right? We want to help. We want him on that field, uh, coaching. Uh, you know, same with Coach Smith, same with Mac, same with any of the coaches that we had. So I wanted them to to. Uh, I said to Mike Fox, and he he uh, he repeats this a lot. He said, "Do you remember one of the first things you said to me?" And I was like, "Oh my God, what in the <laughs> world did I say?" Let me think here. Twenty-five years yeah, ago, <laughs> he said, "You said I want to understand your world. If I can live in your world, if the athletic director can live in your world and understand it, th- then I'll have a partnership. I'll have a relationship because he'll. Every sport is different." And he said, "Dick, that I knew." The, that you would understand the differences that we face and the, the challenges that we face. So what I wanted to do, Adam, was to understand their world. We had uh, – it was about a year ago now, Matt Doherty came on with us. And, I listened to his podcast. Spoke at length. Um, then I'll just say, what was your reaction to what he had to say? Because it, it seemed for the first time that you know, he opened up about some things from his point of view that happened when he was coaching, almost a, a therapeutic session that we had yeah with uh i was glad to hear that uh you know when when uh when when matt first left 
uh, our relationship was okay as, as he was leaving, and then it it wasn't so good. And then I, you know, I would see him, and it and it developed back. And I and uh, talk with him about his kids going to college, and uh, and I know he has a daughter here. Yep. Uh, and same with Kelly. And so, um, you know, Matt Matt needed to grow some, and I was and I was glad to. And what I thought he reflected that he understood that. Maybe wish he had done some things in, in a different way. Uh, I wish I had known some things uh, that I did not know hmm. at that time. I think had I known them, uh, I think I could have helped. Um, maybe change the course of history. I don't know about that. But it sure seems like he's in a good place. What kind of things did you, if you don't mind, and maybe you don't want to say, but what kind of things did you not know? No, I think I think I better leave that one. I appreciate the question. Uh, maybe in two years, when you ha- when you <laughs> when you have me back. Uh, but I guess if I said uh, if I used one word, uh, it would be relationships, uh, which I hope is the strength of mine, and which I th- I think I could have helped him uh, understand that the importance of that uh, better. Why do we all get so much smarter five or, or ten <laughs> years later? Amen to that, but I don't. I don't know. It, it's like when you go and when you go through that fire, and then uh, most often you don't get a chance to go through it again. Uh, but you're right, and I think that's experience based. I think there are a lot of things you just can't teach. Uh, you've got to go through. That's why in in this class that I uh, that I teach, I teach uh, one, uh, ten management principles that I learned in 45 years of administration, and one of those is the importance of evaluation, especially to young people. I mean, my theory is is that over 50, the chances of changing behavior are zero. <laughs> All right, but at 24, you can have effect. But if you don't know right. what's good and what's bad, or what boss expects or doesn't expect, so you're you're operating in a vacuum. So I say to them. Demand an evaluation. Demand, demand with your boss. How am I doing? Tell me, because I can't change what I, you know, what I don't know. And hopefully, the boss has made those observations. Number two on this list of ten management principles, and you can use this in life. Okay. Good. I, I mean, we I, need I, it. I, you do need it. Don't make it worse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was I, like I'm, you on the escalator. <laughs> I'm talking about at home. <laughs> <laughs> Don't make it worse. <laughs> Paul McCartney wrote a song about this. <laughs> You're getting more than you bargained for here, yeah. right? He wrote a song about it in 1970. He was struggling with what to do with an issue with that had to do with John Lennon. And he, he finally fell asleep one night, and he had a dream. And his mother came to him in the dream. Mother Mary came to me. Mary is not the Virgin Mary. Mary is his mother. He says, Mother Mary came to me, speaking words of wisdom. Oh, yeah. You know what it says? Let it be. Let it be. be. I'm putting it it in. I'm going to put the song in right now in the interview. When I find myself in times of trouble, Mother Mary comes to me, speaking words of wisdom. Let it be. And in my hour of darkness, she is standing right in front of me, speaking words of wisdom. Let it be. <laughs> Don't make it worse. And that, you can get the other aid at another time. We can come join the class and come get it. You now, can. speaking of lists and numbers, 
Last time you were with us, you said you had a card. I think this is this the same card. No, it's a new card. A new card, <laughs> an updated card. And you had a couple of points that you wanted to make sure that you hit on, and I think we hit on zero of them, if I remember correctly, the last time. Due to the skill of the interviewers, <laughs> not the interviewee. That's right. That's it, right. It was the incompetence yeah, was of fault. the people asking the questions. So I want I want to get to the list this time to yeah. make sure that we tackle the subjects, the stories that you want to make sure that we bring up. Well, you're kind, and we've uh, mostly I wanted to, t- to talk. I thought you were going to ask me about what I'd been doing, and I, the only thing I didn't mention is that I'm, there are several boards, that, uh, nonprofit kind of boards that I'm uh, serving on to include the uh, Board of Visitors of the School of Education, and and I have to mention, or I'll get fined, East Chapel Hill Rotary Club. <laughs> I'm, I'm chair of that uh, of that foundation I've as well. East Chapel yes, Rotary. you have, and you did a great job. Well, thank you. There's one story that I that I didn't tell, and I, I text Adam about this because I want I didn't want to repeat it if I if I told it. And this is a story of going to Manio. Hmm. Um, so Roy had uh, we we were in the summer, early summer. It was his first year, and Mark Bass Knight uh, had a leader in the Senate down from Manio had done just a great job with the bond referendum of getting that in place to uh, support uh, facilities in, in, uh, in higher education and education in North Carolina. And he was working hard on the cancer hospital, which was going to be a $160 million uh, facility. He, his wife had died of cancer. She was treated here uh, in substandard um, facility. And he said North Carolina can do better. Well, he was trying to make all that happen, and they were—they had a—they um, were having sort of a an honorary lunch for him uh, at his restaurant in Manio, and so Bob Eubanks, who had formerly uh, chair of the board of trustees here and uh, head of the Educational Foundation and president of Franklin Street Partners, called and said, "Look, I think it'd be a great thing if you, mean me, and Roy and Coach Smith." flew to Manio and joined in this celebration. And that would really be a great way for the university to say, thank you for everything you're doing. And so he asked Coach, Bob asked Coach Smith, and Coach Smith said, absolutely. And I asked Roy, and Roy said, absolutely. So they got a plane up here for us, and we flew down to Manio. And we arrived early. And, and the deal was it was going to be a two-hour stay, get to the restaurant, mix with the crowd uh, we really didn't have to say anything just be around there and then fly back well so as we landed these cars came up to help us in the in the i can't remember his name but the guy who had kind of helped organized it on that end said well look y'all a little bit early and uh, and andy said if you got here early he would like for you to come by the house he'd never met coach smith he's never met coach smith and i said andy who <laughs> well, in Manio, <laughs> there's only one. There's right? only one, like in Mayberry. There's only one, <laughs> and of course he met Andy. He met Andy Griffith, and so everybody said, "Absolutely, this is exciting. Let's go meet Andy Griffith." So we had about four cars. We pull up down there, go down this pathway, uh, come to this big t- ranch house. It actually looks to me more like a belonged in the mountains in it than it did at the coast but so we all walk up to the door and there standing at the door is Andy Griffith and his wife Cindy 
And so we go in. Now, the purpose of this really is for Andy to meet Dean. And so the rest of us just sort of pulled back to see what this was going to be about. I mean, I knew I was in history. I mean, I absolutely, if I've ever known, I'm in the moment. I mean, here are these two giants where they're talking to each other, and there's so much deflection going on. So the first thing that I learned (laughs) about great leaders is humility because neither one of them wanted to talk about themselves. They wanted to talk about the other one, the other's interest. And what was amazing was how much – now, Coach had no – he had no prep for this. Andy had prep. I guess he had prep. I guess he thought about it. But Coach was talking about Andy's career like it was just like yesterday. What about Matlock? You know, what about this stuff? And well, Andy didn't want to talk about that. He wanted to talk about the championship season and what it was like. I was astounded by how much they were interested in each other's preparation. So Andy wanted to know about practice. Mm-hmm. He didn't use the word practice plan that I remember, but that's kind of what. And Coach wanted to know about uh, about rehearsals. What what was that like? in this kind of thing well i think you both know how competitive uh coach smith was coach smith won the day why do i say that because he got andy to talk about himself more (laughs) than coach smith talked about himself and i'm proud of this last thing as we were breaking up i said let's get a picture we got to have a picture well nobody had a camera but we had we had our cell phones. Um, and so there's a wonderful picture, I'm proud to say, of me, Coach Smith, Roy, and Andy Griffith standing together that I had blown up. And Coach Smith had it in his office. Roy's got it in his office right now. I have it in my home and in my office. I got two copies. And I sent one to Andy. I don't have any idea if he, if he put <laughs> it up in his home or not. I suspect he did. It's it's uh, that that photo has not been shown, you know, nationwide or whatever. But I think it's really really special. We uh, again about a year ago, we went and visited with Jean Durham, and she led us uh, into Woody's office, and we talked about Woody, and she just showed us some of these photos that he had and just <laughs> memories from through his tenure and his career. Do you ever get? I don't want to say caught up. Do you, do you ever catch yourself maybe just looking at some of your things like that photo or some other pieces of memorabilia or pictures and go, unbelievable that I was a part of all this? Well, it's interesting you make the observation about Woody because Jean did something with, with Woody stuff that I never seen. She had it all over the garage. I mean, she had it on the walls of, oh, yeah. of the garage because they just didn't have the, the wall space. They ran out of space. Yeah, so and many. I've thought yeah. about that. Jones, I've got so much stuff in my office. When people come in that office, they say, this is like a museum. And I've got an equal amount at home. So what I think about now is what in the heck's going to happen to all this stuff? <laughs> Pod World Headquarters, that picture, Andy Griffin, Coach Smith, look know, real good right the up world? there. Who's going to want all this stuff? I mean, I, you know, the, the family is only so large. I don't dwell on it, but I'm glad I have it. I've got basketballs from all over. I've got footballs. I've got stuff that Karen and Anson and Willie and, and down the line people gave me around championships. And, uh, yeah, I just uh, – I've got rings uh, that are in a drawer 
and I think about what good are they doing in a drawer. I got watches that are in a drawer. And um, so I, I don't know what's going to happen to that stuff, and I'm really pleased that I have it. I gave some stuff to the basketball museum because mm-hmm. uh, I just wanted a, uh, the basketball mu- museum to have some stuff. But but it wasn't, it wasn't anything unique to me. It was stuff that other uh, coaches or administrators had. So, yeah, I do like it, but I wonder what's going to happen. Speaking of Coach Smith, I understand you and Coach Smith once had a uh, a meeting of the minds about the game of basketball, in which uh, you were able to provide him with some insight. What what happened on that occasion? Uh, thank you for that question, because <laughs> I, I did, did want to tell that story. When I worked with Coach, I first started working with Coach Smith in undergraduate admissions when I was assistant director, and they would bring their recruits by most often on Saturday morning or Sunday morning. I remember with James Worthy and Michael and and Lebo and all of them. Uh, and I just made the decision when I would be around them that people always ask him about basketball. So I just, way back then, now we're 70s, I said, I'm never going to ask him a basketball hmm. question. We'll do, I'll, do, I'll have to ask him questions about transcripts and when are we going to get this stuff, but I'm never going to ask him about basketball well when I came to work in athletics I said that okay I had that theory then I'm not going to ask him about basketball like hey coach what were you doing and with that last time out what were you telling them or do you or do you think whatever and we were riding somewhere actually I think we were going to get uh, Bill Acock who was chancellor who appointed coach Smith uh, as basketball coach I think we were going to take him to lunch I'm pretty confident of this and that year, and I don't remember the year, Adam, but we, we had lost a lot of talent to graduation. Some people left early. So this would have been about this time of the year. And I said, okay, I just got to ask him. I said, Coach, we've lost, and I list all these players to, to graduation, and we've, and we've lost them the, to the NBA early. I'm just really worried about next year. I mean, what is it going to be like, Coach? What is it going to be like? Silence. And I said, Coach, I've never asked you a basketball question. And he said, Dick, I don't mind you asking me a basketball question, but I'll tell you, we're still going to have North Carolina on the front of our jerseys. That was his answer. And I thought, that's a hell of an answer. (laughs) He was saying, in his way, the tradition of this place and the emphasis on excellence. He wasn't saying and the excellence in coaching, but I felt that. And and we're going to be okay. We're North Carolina. We're North Carolina basketball, and we're going to be okay. And it was uh, when when Roy didn't come that time, um, and uh, and Steve Kirster and I were talking about. Uh, Steve said, you know, you got to have a press conference. And I said, oh, Steve, what are you talking about? He said, no, you've got to do it. You, you know, you've got you to get up there and, and explain. Well, this was like at 8 o'clock at night, and I looked in the mirror, and I had a – I looked like Richard Nixon going into the, <laughs> to the debate with John Kennedy. Now, my class wouldn't understand what I just said, but – our age people do. I said, Steve, I got to have 30 minutes. Let me get cleaned up, shaved. I had a 
you know, a white shirt and a Carolina blue tie and a blazer. And, and so when I was getting ready, I said, you know what? Coach Smith taught me a lesson. He said, we're Carolina basketball. We're going to be okay. So that's your message to your, your audience is, uh, is your audience, they're Carolina fans. You don't care about anybody else. You don't care about the national media. You don't care about State or Duke fans. Your audience is North Carolina and assure North Carolina people you're gonna be, we're going to be okay. And so, again, a great teacher. Uh, and I just thought that was just a wonderful comment. It's always stayed with me about how he felt about basketball. You mentioned facilities, and you weren't a big facility guy in your words. Um, Carolina has undergone an enormous amount of facility upgrade and change here in the last two to three years. Just from an observer from the outside, what what did you think with all these new things coming well, up? Well, I, I know, and I remember now I said I, I didn't classify, my, classify myself as a facility guy, but we, we did a <laughs> heck of a lot. Oh, yeah. A heck of a lot with uh, with facilities that you know the Blue Zone, Carmichael, a sport medicine thing that I'm so pleased with. What a dramatic need that was. Baseball with Boschhammer, um, going on down the line. I, I'm just so pleased to see Fetzer uh, get what it's due, and that certainly was next on my list of of to do something, and it that. That must have been a tough decision for Bubba because you, you you've got the two soccer's, uh, the two lacrosse's, and you had track, and you couldn't. I, I get it. You couldn't build something that was going to serve all those people, in in a new way, mm-hmm. and so that that meant uh, track. And I understand that. I mean, soccer. Both soccer's can compete for national championships. Both lacrosse's compete for national championships. So, I mean, that matters. And so you've got to give them the kind of facility. Uh, you know, so I was glad to see that. I don't really understand this building y'all are trying to get into. I don't, I don't quite understand what's going to go on in there, but I'm, I'm sure we need it. I, and I worry, what I worry about is um, for Bubba and for college athletics is the emphasis on facilities because it, it can get out of whack. I mean, you, if you need something, you need to do it. And at North Carolina, you need to do it right. Uh, you know, the biggest project that I had was the Blue Zone. That was, let's call it $70 million. Our model was uh, raise 35 and finance 35 And the financing was going to come from the income being produced in that facility. And that model has, has served us well. We didn't have a lot of debt. Uh, you don't have that financial model when you're looking at an indoor practice facility or an indoor or a, or a new fetzer. So I'm sure that's a problem for them. But I'm glad to see everything that I've seen we've done first class. Do you still, when, when you see Bubba make a decision, do you go, oh, well, I'm, I can understand how hard that decision was or I wonder what made him. I mean, are you still following it close enough to have those type of thoughts and opinions when, when you see decisions being made? Or are you just totally removed and going, you know, this is clearly his his department at this point with as long as he's been here? Some, uh, some of all of that. I, uh, I always think, what what is it that I don't know? There's got to be something. There's sure. always something in the details that, that I'm not aware of. A lot of times I say, 
I had my turn. It's, it's not my turn anymore. Is that hard? I'm sorry to interrupt your answer, was, but is that hard? It was early on. It's not now. Um, and and there's some things that, um, I mean, the alcohol, the, the beer thing, uh, that would really be a struggle for me. But I'm thinking – 14 years ago I'm not I'm not thinking now I don't have I don't have the information that he has now uh, and so I think we, we were talking about uh, I mean can you imagine with coach Smith and Bill Friday around that that we would that we would have beer it can't be and uh, and Roy and I were just talking about it uh, most of the time when I would go to them to give them not together, but it's like you know, we're going to do something in this area. We're going to do something. So I want you to know about it before you read about it in the newspaper. And if they were not supportive, uh, they would likely say, well, Dick, I'm not going to fight you on this one. I'll just be silent on it. I, in my view, they would not be silent on the on the beer issue, and they would have had the the political clout. Uh, there's no other way to say it to keep mm-hmm. you know to keep it from happening. And I'm not saying that's right or wrong. I'm just saying that's just the way it was then. So I don't you know I don't I, I say on on the beer thing it's not my turn. They've got I'm sure they've got good information and and uh, and I hope it goes well. But I don't. What what I worry about for college athletics and I worry about for Bubba or any administrator is the strain on the financial resources. Um, is is this model, is, is it going to work? It's going to drive the revenue needed. I, typically, I don't think it's in it. Well, it could be an expense side. I mean, there's a lot of escalation uh, on facilities and on salaries. So I, I don't know. I hope it does work. But it just seems like every time we get to a place, something new is added that helps us get over that hurdle, ACC network, whatever. Uh, so uh, I, I hope that's the answer for us. Do you think 28 sports is – do you think that model is sustainable long term? Uh, probably not. Uh, it's a core value for North Carolina. Or traditionally, it's been a core value. I'm not sure uh, that the current fan thinks of that right. in that same way as we did. I don't think the faculty probably even thinks about it uh, like the faculty did. I don't think the administration thinks much about it. And so my guess is if Bubba had to scale that back, uh, and, and, and as I know he would do, do a, PR, a good PR job with it, uh, it, it'd probably be okay. That, that couldn't have happened in Swafford's time or my time uh, without, I'm not sure it could have happened. Mm-hmm. A lot of heartache, a lot of, lot of pushback. I'm not sure the average Carolina fan understands the impact Coach Smith had across all those 28 sports and still has today. I agree. I agree. So if we accept that that's true and we accept that we feel pretty confident what Coach Smith would say about the alcohol thing, does it then follow that based on that for North Carolina that's not a fit? Or are we supposed to say, well, that's how Coach Smith would have felt 15 years ago and we need to take what he believed 
and throw in the 15 years extra experience we've had and then figure out what's best for Carolina. I think that part. I, I think we have – I think culture matters, okay? And I think um, I think it matters a lot. I think it's always mattered at North Carolina, the, the how we do things, the how we treat people, um, how, we, how we're committed to – uh, success in the right way. And I know we had some bumps. I understand that, but that didn't that didn't change the culture. It didn't it didn't change the intention. And so when you move when you move away from the culture uh, that's sort of ingrained in you, that you're right. I mean, Coach Smith established that with sportsmanship. He he uh, they established that with signage. They established that in so many different ways. When you move away from it, you ought to have a compelling reason. It, it ought to reach a, a standard that says this is not – we're going to go away from the norm, not because it's easy, not it's because anybody else doing it. It's because it's how North Carolina is going to sort this out. The signage thing, I think, during my time I can speak to, I mean, we spent a year studying that. We, we, we had open forums. We said, come on in, students, faculty, alums. We put together this 15-person committee. Now now you think, I tell that, talk about that in my class, and I think they're looking at me like you're crazy. Why don't you just do it? Why don't you just announce one day we're going to have signage? We didn't have, when we committed to signage, we didn't have any in Keenan Stadium. That was sacred. Mm-hmm. We couldn't have sold that. You can't understand that now. And that wasn't 100 years ago. No. We couldn't have sold that whole proposition of adding signage if we put Keenan Stadium in there at that time. Not just Mr. Friday, but others. So we had a compelling reason. That was the 28, and we had a notion of how to do it. Uh, in the example that I always use was we were, we were going we to do it like public radio and public television uh, that they used advertising. So when you break from culture, getting back to it, you ought to have a strong, compelling reason, and it ought to still fit. And your mode, your method, your concept of how you ought to operate and who you are, not because somebody else is doing it. You mentioned some bumps in the road. Of course, the NCAA stuff, thankfully, at this point in the rearview mirror, I'm pretty sure that happened after we had you on the first time, right? Did. I'm, okay, yeah, we talked sure. briefly about it. Did you, was it relief for you? Were you happy? What? what were you just glad it was over with? Uh, what What was your reaction when, when all that finally ended up and, and at least the final decision, a positive one for Carolina? Well, I'd gotten so numb. <laughs> uh, I won't say I was numb at, at that. I I, uh, I was I was proud of the university. I was proud of the stand that, that we took. Remember, I, I said to you all on that first podcast uh, – that the NCAA, we invited the NCAA when we first learned about the academic things. We said, come in here and look mm-hmm. and tell us if you think it's an issue because here's what's going on. And we put it all out there on the table. They interviewed students, as we did, and they said, it's not our issue. Then the Weinstein report comes out. And then six, eight years later, whatever it is, they say, it's not our issue. So... I guess I had some sense of, uh, I don't know if satisfaction is right, some sense of, you told us that a long time ago, why in the devil didn't you, you know, believe it all along? Why did we have to go through this? I think I was relieved. I was, uh, I'll tell you, um, 
I don't really know Debbie Crowder, but I was proud of her. I know Jan Boxel, and I was proud of her. Neither one of them had to go to that hearing. But on the strength of the argument of the University of North Carolina and the strength of their testimony, uh, that committee was able to conclude what it concluded because they were able to establish credibility. They were able to say, listen, I wasn't doing what I was doing just for students. I was doing it across the board. I mean, for student-athletes, right. I was doing it across the board. That mattered in that setting. And you may have say, well, damn well, they shouldn't have been doing it for anybody. You'd have a good argument. But that's not what the NCAA was focused on, extra benefits, special considerations. And so their testimony was strong. And North Carolina should be grateful to, to the two of them for the, because they were not – the NCAA couldn't force them to go. They didn't have any reason to go other than to set their record straight. I don't think we talked much about Butch Davis on the first podcast because there was still some stuff going on. I would be interested to know, as that all came to an end, everyone who's listened to these two podcasts understands that Dick Bedore loves Carolina. What? How did you reach the conclusion that it had gotten to the point that it was not tenable for you to continue doing what you love to do because of what was going on around you? For one reason, and uh, I, I, I would, well, I had some, I had some conflicting emotions, uh, but there was one thing that was not in conflict. The, the conflicting emotion was that I was, I was tired. Uh, and, I, and Holden had asked me uh, before he made the decision to fire Butch, would, would I stay on what I do an extra year? Because my contract was coming up, and I had told him I doubt I would do a renewal uh, that I just was I was just tired. Um, the conflict there was, gosh, I would have liked to have seen that through the NCAA part. Um, you know, Holden made the the argument to me. You know, that we need you, and I said, Holden, there are other people that can do. We are we are we are well along now in in the knowing uh, what's going on. Now we've got a, our strategy. We've got to develop our strategy. So that was in conflict. What was not in conflict was that, and I had told uh, I had told Holden this: if for any reason we have to fire Butch, then that's going to put my situation in. That's going to move my retirement to whatever that point is, because I felt strongly uh, what would be best for North Carolina football would be for the AD to hire the football coach that was going to be his boss. And if I intended to retire in a six-month or even a year time, uh, I didn't think that would be fair to UNC or fair to that coach to have that quick turnaround. So by holding making that decision, then I, that put me in a position was, well, a, a, a new uh, – now we had an interim coach. That, that put, put us in a position where a new AD needed to make that selection. So that was it for me simply. When Chancellor Thorpe came to you and said, I'm going to fire Butch Davis, what did you say? Well, I was sitting in an airport on my way, on my way back from St. Louis, and uh, I had been to a, a 
a conference I'd been invited to present to women who were in athletics. It was a conference sponsored by uh, NACWA uh, who, who wanted to be leaders in, uh, in, in, uh, in uh, athletic administration. And I said, hold it. I just left a meeting where I was talking about how, how to do things, and this is not, this is not how to, to do it. Uh, if if uh, I, I, I was surprised, I mean we had we had been through a lot. Uh, I had worked hard to get Holden and Butch together. We were meeting once a week. I, I think I mentioned that, and I thought I thought we were making progress, and so that progress that I thought we were making, it, you know, I guess it wasn't so. Um, but but mostly my reaction to him was, this is not the time. We're in August. Uh, Butch is down at Southern Pines or Pinehurst in that ACC kickoff thing. And, you know, it's just uh, the kids are, the students going to be reporting here soon. We just, it's not the right time. So uh, I said, you know, please, you know, read. he said he was probably going to do it. And I said, you know, I want you to let's get together. Let's think about it. And he got some advice for, from some other folks. And uh, I mean, I went right to his house as soon as I got uh, back to Chapel Hill and we met. And by that time, he was he was pretty firm. He was pretty firm. He was firm on what he wanted to do. So, and I've told this story, and I, uh, but I'll briefly say it. And so I was sort of in, okay, now how do I, how do I shape this? What do I do with this? And uh, Linda was in the mountains uh, at, our, at our art thing. And uh, so we got her on the phone. I got Alan and, and Jenny and, uh, and David over. And uh, David said, Dad, this is not your decision. It's going to be really unpopular. You, you, somehow you got to separate yourself. Because you can't, you can't say you support the decision when you don't. And uh, and Jenny was like, Dad, I don't want to look like you've been pushed out. You got to do something that says you're not being forced out like Butch is being forced out. And uh, and Alan said, Dad, you love your university so much. Don't do anything that is going to, you know, put you in a bad position or put you like you're fighting with your, you know, with your, with Holden. And so, you know, we tossed and turned and talked and talked, and then we concluded, let's tell the truth. <laughs> 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 this is not the decision I made. It's, it's it, Holden's the chancellor. He gets to make this decision, and I understand that. And uh, I'm supportive of the chancellor at the University of North Carolina, not the direction I would go. but uh, And I need to resign, uh, not in protest, in any way, shape, or form, but because of what I just told you, the AD needs to make this new AD needs to make this hire. Do you still talk to Butch Davis, and are you surprised that Butch has never? I mean, he's obviously a head coach again, but but not at the Power Five level. Hadn't been able to get back, I think, to where he would like to be. I don't know about uh, like to be. We t yeah, we talked frequently when he first. Uh, left Jones. I mean, yeah, I mean, we'd stayed in good touch, but not in the last uh, year and a half or two years. It just it just sort of uh, went by the wayside, not in any way, shape, or form, uh, animosity or or whatever. You know, I, I, I wonder if, if uh, the, the guy who hired him is a very good friend of his, and uh, 
they have a long-time relationship. And I suspect Bush is happy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so maybe early on, I'm, I'm, this would be speculation. I hate to speculate uh, for somebody. But maybe early on he had that interest. I, I would think now that, that the, it's not there, mm-hmm. uh, the interest. Now the age factor, I guess, comes in too. Uh, I don't know. But uh, my guess is he's happy. Your answer to the previous question, I think, shed a whole lot of light on the answer to this one. You've been involved in a lot of decisions that are very important to people and are emotional to people that they care a whole lot about. And sometimes people disagree with the decisions you've made. And you've come in contact with a lot of people. But even if they disagree with you, I personally don't ever hear anyone say, well, that Dick Bedore is a jerk. Why is that? Oh gosh, Adam! Now you have me talking about me. I don't know. That's you won the fair. day, Adam. You and <laughs> Coach Smith. That's not. That's, Take that, Andy Griffith. <laughs> I don't know. That's. I appreciate it. I don't. Somebody else needs to answer that question. I. Well, how do you how do you try to approach people when you're making decisions like that that you know this guy is going to disagree with and it's an emotional thing? How do you make sure that the relationship maintains? even if that one decision point is not something they're on board with. Well, I can give you some examples where the relationship was not maintained. <laughs> um, but I still think it was the right, uh, right decision, uh, especially some personnel things. But uh, Carl Torbush and I are very close. John Bunning and I are, are, are close. We don't talk. I don't talk to Carl may, maybe twice, three times a year. Same with John. I'm more likely to see him. Um, I I I like to think that when you when you bring somebody on, that it's a little bit like what Coach Fox said. I want to understand their world. I want to build this relationship, and and if I build this relationship, then um, then it'll stand some test. Um, I, I'm not an in-your-face kind of guy. Uh, I'm a guy who believes in, along the way, sharing information. So I don't like for there to be surprises. Um, I like to give people prep. And I like like to take care of my people. Now, some people would argue my point on that, uh, and I would argue back. Um, Some people wouldn't have seen that, seen that as being receptive of what I just said. But I think I could prove otherwise. So, I, I to me, and and uh, and I'm told you, I'm not. Nobody's supposed to say the Carolina way. <laughs> uh, there is a Carolina way, and it's a good way. And and I try to just try to treat people the right way. That, I think that is the part of the legacy of uh, of Coach Smith, of Bill Acock, who was a chancellor here, of all the chancellors we've had of Mr. Friday as well. As always, our interview with Mr. Bedore brought to you by the Independent Insurance Agents of North Carolina. Texting while driving takes your eyes off the road. Adam, for an average of five seconds. Five seconds. Five seconds, no big deal. Actually, you know what, Adam? Here, hold on. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull out my stopwatch right here. Okay. Let's let's do five seconds. You ready? Yes. Starting Good. now. 
Now, Adam, you imagine you weren't looking at the road for that long while you were <laughs> Oh, gruesome, Adam. Well, <laughs> bad things happen. At highway speeds, that's like driving the length of an entire football field with your eyes closed. Trusted Choice Independent Insurance Agents of North Carolina want you to stay safe behind the wheel. Do not text and drive. Go to trustedchoice.com slash go heels. That's trustedchoice.com slash go heels. Find an independent insurance agent near you to learn more. Okay, Adam. To our lists we go. What's on the top of Jones Angel and Adam Lucas' list? Brought to you by Top of the Hill, where Tar Heels come to celebrate. All right. I say we alternate our list into that way. That's fair. If maybe we have some crossover, we'll just yeah. have to deal with it. We might. All right. You can, I'll, as the home standing <laughs> here in Pod World Headquarters, Mobile Pod World Headquarters, I will allow you, sir, to go first. Call the list in the air. <laughs> Heads. Okay, let's see. I'm going to try to get one that I don't think you have on your list. Oh. I'm fairly confident about this. Uh, I don't remember who sent us this link, but it's important. This is another throwback to a previous pod relatively far back. Petition to change the date of Halloween gained strength. Mm. Now, if you'll remember, we talked about this, and what we concluded was Halloween's better when it's on a Saturday. Always, yeah. The last Saturday in October. That's when it should be. But, of course, as we know, it traditionally has fallen on October 31st. Uh, <laughs> traditionally. By which I mean forever. <laughs> uh, one group is petitioning for a Halloween update to change the date of the holiday. It's time for a safer, longer, stress-free celebration, wrote the Halloween and Costume Association. So not at all <laughs> biased in any way. Uh, wrote on their change.org petition, let's move Halloween to the last Saturday of October. As of Monday morning, this is Monday morning last month, more than 100,000 Halloween enthusiasts and pod listeners have signed the petition. That means, Jones, it'll be passed on to the White House. Oh, wow. Yeah. I'm sure it'll go right to the top of the list. <laughs> yeah. We got <laughs> Greenland and Halloween. What do you guys want to do first right now? Two equally important <laughs> topics. What if Greenland has Halloween on October 31st? We're going to buy you and give you the Halloween we have now. We're taking new Halloween, which is the last Saturday in October. Uh, everyone wins, <laughs> except for the people of Greenland, of which are there really any? We're just gonna, look, all you kids get on a plane. We're going to fly you to our new <laughs> island of Greenland. <laughs> and then you can all do your Halloween candy uh, yeah. shopping and uh, trick-or-treating right here. If you're a traditionalist, all the elk will be dressed up for the, for the holiday. <laughs> the reindeer will have on their finest costumes. Um. So the petition mainly focuses on safety issues that can arise during Halloween. More kids are hit by cars on this night than any oh. other night of the year. Thanks, Adam. And according to the petition, most parents don't use visibility aids. Maybe we should bring that up with the parents, making it harder for drivers to see children. The petition also accounts for older fans of Halloween, I think that's us, saying, fi oh, wait, it's not us, saying 51% of millennials. Oh, I, I might be. 
I'm. You're not. I might be a millennial. Yeah, I, I feel like I'm a millennial. <laughs> you can't make it so just by speaking it. I declare <laughs> on my new island of Greenland, <laughs> I am a millennial. 51% of millennials have called Halloween their quote, favorite holiday and ask why. why? why? I'm in the other 49%. <laughs> hey, fellow millennials. <laughs> I don't agree with you. Take it from old Unky Jones. <laughs> I, don't, I don't agree with your stance. <laughs> And ask why I'm gonna write you a handwritten letter, fellow millennials, and tell you that you're wrong. Let me find a stamp. Why don't you all put down your bag phones? I'm music's too loud. And uh, they ask why cram it into two rushed weekday hours when it deserves a full day. Does it though? Well, <laughs> but okay. I don't know about all that. Halloween should be the last Saturday oh, yeah, in October. I think, I think it just makes sense. But yes. you, my, my research has uncovered a problem with this petition. Okay. Halloween's not a government holiday. Mm. So you can send it to the White House all you want. Right. And we know things there are going fine. Yeah. <laughs> Smooth sailing. So even if they wanted to, to push this right through, they would first have to make Halloween a federal holiday, which I feel like might get some pushback. Yeah. And then they can say what day it's going to be on. So really, there there's no law requiring you to celebrate Halloween on any day. Yeah. If you decide you like it better in August. You know what? I kind of keep the spirit of Halloween in my heart all year long. Maybe I'm going to celebrate yeah. right now. You, you can do it whenever you want to. It's, there's no legislation. <laughs> so sign the petition and then uh, make plans for Halloween in Greenland. All right, my turn. I'm going to do one that I think probably was on your list, Adam. Okay, all right. Did you see the video of K.J. Smith receiving the scholarship? I did. It was pretty great. Hope you saw it uh, somewhere online here over the last few days. And I think that's it's a nice little taste of what having cameras with Carolina basketball all the time is going to give you. And it was – if you didn't see it, uh, Carolina only had 12 scholarships used this year, not the full 13 – uh, for the basketball team, and yeah, it happens every couple years that this occurs. And Coach Williams uh, awarded the final scholarship for the year to K.J. Smith and he did it in front of the team. And so it was just a neat moment. And then called his dad, and pretty cool moment between those two, of course, K.J.'s dad, Kenny Smith, Adam's all-time favorite Tar Heel. And uh, so just a cool moment. If you haven't seen it online, I would encourage you to check it out. So you know what? I'm going to give K.J. Smith a little what up, an official what up for K.J. Smith. And, of course, when the cameras are with Carolina basketball, that's going to air on what? The ACC oh, Network. Massive launch yesterday, last last evening. It's on the air right now as we speak. I can tell you from firsthand experience, I have I have called, I have consulted with my provider oh. on Wednesday night. A quick little 52-minute customer service call. Here's what I learned that people need to know. If you are a Spectrum customer, yep. which a lot of people in the, this triangle area in the, are. In the Carolinas. If you're a grandfathered Time Warner Cable customer, like myself and other millennials, right. you don't get it. Whoa, what? You have to migrate your service to Spectrum. Which I don't even understand what you're, the words you're saying. Well, neither do they. It does, it's, like, it's on the card, Jones. They have to say it. And so then you have to be like, what? And then they have to explain it to you. What she told me was she's going to migrate my service to Spectrum. 
I'm not going to lose any channels except for the golf channel, which that's a big loss for me and Nick Jr. But I get ACC Network. I th- this doesn't affect me. I already know it, it affects doesn't. lots of people. It doesn't affect You're me. You're not a grandfathered Time Warner Cable customer? How do you know? I just know. Well, I didn't think I was. But I'm on a spectrum plan right now. Me too. Like a designated spectrum plan. Oh, okay. That's not me. Yeah. See, I tell you, this doesn't affect me. But when I pay the bill, it goes to Spectrum. Well, of course it does. Time Warner Cable doesn't exist anymore, brah. Then how can I be a <laughs> grandfathered Time Warner Cable customer? Why didn't you just do that when you bought the company? Because it's not my fault. Have you, because you must have. You haven't changed your service at all Heck, since Spectrum no. bought. Time Every Warner. time you right. change the service, it gets jacked up. You don't want to do that. See, that's what I'm saying. I have, so I know oh, that. No, I'm. no, no. I do not want to do that. So. If you if you look at your channel guide this morning, you know what the problem is with this, Adam. Th- the amount of confusion about this is really at an all time high, and I don't mean like it's higher now than it used to be. I guess it is just because the the launch and people are hearing it more. And we've talked about this, I think, on the pod. It's stunning to me how little a lot of folks seem to understand what the ACC network is. Like I was talking to my neighbor who was a pretty savvy sports fan and uh he said well and this is not the neighbor you're thinking of uh this is um and he said well uh, i don't get it. he had just switched to dish i think and dish doesn't have it yet and he said well I, so i'm not gonna be able to see any carolina games this year and i'm like no like not every carolina game is and then i think there's people who think that somehow we we being carolina are like running the acc right. network out of the new building we know that ain't right. Well, that's not the case either. Yeah. The, the the new building was built because Carolina, just like all the schools in the ACC, are going to be heavily involved in helping ESPN produce games, live games. So if you're seeing a soccer match on the ACC network and it's from Virginia Tech, then the po- the folks at Virginia Tech are more than likely producing that game for ESPN. So why is that a benefit for anybody, why did this happen? Well, ESPN doesn't have to send a truck, a television truck, and equipment and contract workers and talent and all those different things. They don't have to do that anymore. So it saves them a boatload of money. But it's not like like the Duke documentary or whatever. It's not like that's running out of our building in Chapel Hill. So, <laughs> obviously. So, I still think there's just a lot of confusion about what it is, what it will provide, and and what's actually going to be on it. I don't. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I, I think your fellow millennials aren't completely understanding yeah. everything. But something you just said reminded me that I still believe exactly what we said before, and probably even more so now that we're here at ACC Network Reality Land. Mm-hmm. The decisions that were made for the first night of programming oh, were well, bad. You turn you turned off people that you wanted on board. Yes, uh, and you so had so many other choices. So the first, like the opening, what ninety minutes or two hours is some kind of ACC network hello kind of show. Right. So it's like, hey, this is what we're doing now. Here we and, are, and this is the stuff that we're gonna do. And then they go directly into this Duke documentary, which is. It's not even a how. It's it, it's not a. I don't even want this because I never wanted it. I wanted the ACC network. Yes. But I didn't want that. No. It might be the largest how can you justify that that yeah. we've ever dealt with here on the pod. I do not have to justify. How can you justify what you've done? How can you justify? Sacrifice and 
can you possibly justify that? And Adam is just starting to. We got. I got fired. I don't even remember when. Sometime in the spring, you got me all fired up about this, <laughs> and I'm getting all fired up about it right now. It was again. Is that documentary something that I can understand that the ACC network would want to produce and do? Yes. Right. Okay. Look, whether you like him or not, you have to understand the fact. Myshevsky's a good coach. Obviously, he's built an incredible program at Duke. We all understand that, whether you like it or not. Is it the first thing you want to air on the ACC network? And then, after you air it, your next show is a discussion about it. <laughs> a post-game show. It's mind-blowing, the tone-deaf nature of this decision. Mind-blowing to me, Adam. How can you not – to me – and again, I mean, there's going to be a show about Carolina. There's going to be people who don't like that. There's going to be something about Virginia, like a recap of their championship season. All of that to me makes sense that you're going to, I'm sure, at some point have some kind of highlighting programming on every single school. That's not what you should start with. If you wanted to run it on Saturday night or something, your first weekend, whatever. How do you not have a documentary about the history of the league yeah. or the ACC tournament. I, I think you could – and I get maybe it's not basketball season, but that's what this documentary is about. H- how do you, How is that not your first decision? So, anyway, Adam, you're going to get me fired, Adam, and that's not what I want. It really – every time I see it, I see the promotion of, like, the little graphic. Here's what's coming on the first night. I think, oh, yeah, let's see. And then I re- see what it is again, and I go, oh, no, come on. A special Wes and Mark show yes. to introduce people to the morning show? They're going to be on your network more than anyone else. I, I had a lot of ideas. None of them were taken. And so that's why we got what we got last night. Uh, let's see. I'll take something that I bet uh, I bet is on your list. The Sun Bowl has changed <laughs> hands. Oh, it is on my list, Adam. No more Hyundai Sun Bowl. <laughs> All right. We're going to kill this discussion right now. It's Hyundai. Adam can't say it. Hun like sun, Adam. That's the easiest way to remember. Right, Hyundai. <laughs> it's not Hon- It's not a hybrid of Honda. It's- it is to me. <laughs> okay, Adam, let's just move on. Just like the Duke documentary. We're just going to move on. <laughs> so no more Hyundai. And it's, uh, it's got a new title sponsor. Uh, as someone casually pointed out, Mayor Oscar Leeser oh, has yeah. moved on. Yeah. And we know Mayor Oscar Leeser, big Hyundai dealer. Yeah. So he's taking his cars. <laughs> I'm just going to let you roll with it here because it's the last time. I'm just going to let you have your fun. El Paso Times tells me the first ever bowl with a title sponsor has a new one, the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl. I don't know, Adam, how this process works and how, how bowls become entitled. And by that, I mean how they get a title sponsor. I don't know how that works. Why are they constantly like the most low-hanging fruit, (laughs) dumbest names of all time? Why is that? Like, did someone not go, you know, the weed eater bowl sounds kind of (laughs) dumb. It sounds a little (laughs) third rate, guys. (laughs) why, why, Why not? Okay, so Tony the Tiger is Frosted Flakes, which is Kellogg's, right? Yes. Could you not be the Kellogg's Sun Bowl? I don't know. The El- is it is it the actual – is Tony the Tiger himself yes. sponsoring this bowl? Yes. 
Have you seen the logo for the bowl? Yes, I have. Boom. It's Tony's right giant. There. Although I will say, looking at the logo makes me a little happier. <laughs> hey, Tony. You are great, buddy. El Paso Times tells me that the Sun Bowl was the first bowl to have a corporate sponsor, 1986. Yeah. We know they're visionaries right, yeah. at the Sun Bowl. They're now the first ever bowl named after a corporate mascot. Congrats. And El Paso Times points this out like this is like a huge thing. And they partner with a company whose product really does go in a bowl. <laughs> guys, 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 the Sun Bowls figured it all out, fellas. It took 75 years of bowl games, but they've got it. Uh, they, wait, I can put Cheez-Its in a bowl, can I? <laughs> Cheez-Its is a bowl sponsor. Nope, doesn't count. Its intended purpose is a bowl. Hey, Rose Bowl? This is the Tony the Tiger. Sun I can bowl. put I can put roses in a bowl. Uh, have you guys I can really put anything in a bowl? Have you guys ever thought about being the strawberry sorbet bowl? <laughs> I mean, it's something that really does go in a bowl. Meanwhile, you've got this stupid name, the Rose Bowl. I just, who wants that? I can put a weed eater in a bowl if I want to, Adam. <laughs> I can put anything in a bowl. I I feel like that was probably a talking point. That the Tony the Tiger Bowl told people and <laughs> guys, never expected guys, them to use. In the, on this momentous day <laughs> of the American icon, Tony the Tiger, sponsoring another American icon, the Sun Bowl, here are a few bullet points that we would encourage you to place in any articles that you may write about this merger. Tony the Tiger goes in the bowl. <laughs> We're great. We should have a mobile pod world headquarters. We got a bowl right there that we can look at. <laughs> So if the Tar Heels go back, just know you'll be seeing Tony the Tiger. <sighs> to my list, Adam. Okay. We're like, this is like Federer and, yeah. and Djokovic. <laughs> <laughs> so as if you, if you just listened to the Dick Bedore interview, you heard the discussion about Brit's Donuts hmm. down in Carolina Beach. Yep. By the way, we are firing off lots of free advertising yeah. on this pod. Um, so... As you heard in our discussion, I didn't know about Brit's Donuts. Mm -hmm. So I went to Brit's Donuts' website, Adam. Oh, it's where, a throwback. Where they <laughs> yes, it is. Where they have the menu. Mm. I clicked on the menu. Yeah. <laughs> the menu is like, it's just like a big blue screen. Yep. It says Glades Donuts, and then it lists the sodas that you can buy, <laughs> and that's it. Yep. That's right. All you got to know is the quantity. We told you. Yeah. I uh, I enjoyed that. It's, hey, let's, no need to overthink this. You yeah. can get some of these delicious glazed donuts, and if you need something to drink, we can provide that as well. I, I'm going to call it right now. You're going to get some blowback from not having been to Brit's Donuts, so you just need to prepare what? yourself for that. I'll have, next time I'm down on the coast, I'm going to go. Okay. Uh, now I'm going to go back to my drop volley. And I'm going to throw in something that I know you don't have. Ooh, I'm charging to the net. Okay. I've got inside scoop on Top Gun 2. Oh, wow. Okay. On set details. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> From an anonymous oh. pod correspondent well, of course. in somewhere in California. What a moment. Uh, the, the info I have reads as follows. Maverick and Iceman are back for reshoots this week. Mm. The motorcycle used in the movie yeah. 
has 24-7 security in the already secure garage. Of course it does. So there's like a guy. Don't I know it, Adam. Whose job <laughs> is to sit with the motorcycle. What a job. Frank, uh, you've done great work this year. We've got something special for you. Need you to keep an eye on this motorcycle inside this locked parking garage. Uh, Iceman rolled up in his Porsche with his assistant and a roller bag. Mm. Maverick had a presidential motorcade. Of course he did. Complete with underground entrance, employee hallways closed down until he was safely in his room, and an entourage of 20 rooms. He arrived in a bomber jacket and Ray-Bans, just like you'd always want. That is very similar to when Adam shows up to record the pod. we got to <laughs> shut everything down around Mobile Pod at World Headquarters. What must life be like when you've reached the point that you have to have 20 rooms for your entourage and shut everything down for you to get down a hallway? Well, And, and an underground entrance. And poor Iceman's just got his roller bag. Yeah, <laughs> sorry, you've just got a Porsche in your roller bag. Uh, Iceman, you're in the frequent guest check-in line. I'm going to ask you to go to the regular line. <laughs> you don't have TSA pre-check, Iceman. Get out of here. <laughs> I'm Iceman, though. I'll, I'll bite at you. <laughs> okay. I'm wearing jeans because I'm going straight to play volleyball from here. Yeah, yeah of course. Um, Adam, a little bit of... Just an enlightening piece of football news that I realized. I even texted you about this. Yeah. I had just completely forgotten about this. Yep. And this is a big, big deal. So two starters for Carolina, Patrice Renee and Dominique Ross, or projected starters on the Tar Heel defense, they have to sit out one half of the South Carolina game. Now, the Tar Heels can choose first half, second half. Mm. I don't know if the Tar Heels have made that choice. My assumption would be it would be the first half. But it results from that fight at the end of the NC State game last year. Mm. And I had just totally forgotten about it. But so those, I mean, Patricia Ney, I think, Carolina's best corner, at least most proven corner at this point. And Dominic Ross, who's had a terrific camp, is going to be a starter at linebacker for the Tar Heels. Both have to miss one half of the South Carolina game. That's a big deal. Now, I just totally forgot about it, but now it's back to reality. I mean, that's that's a big deal for the Tar Heels. Plus, that seems like another era. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It just seems like a million years ago. I mean, for, and 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 you also mean not just the time, but of course the change of everything about Carolina football. Yeah, I, I understand why you've got to discipline them, and I guess it's just unfortunate for Carolina that it does seem so long ago, not just on the calendar, but just in everything. But that very well could play a role in the oh, game. Oh, yeah, very much so. Okay, uh, this is another thing I think you might have on your list. Once again, we're going to the Athletic, which we like to go to. Steve Spurrier talking about almost taking the Carolina football job. You know, it's interesting. That story has been around forever. Um, I mean, I think – I mean, you and I both knew of this, and I, I obviously believe it to be true – um, I have not read this article, but basically in saying that Steve Spurrier was heavily involved. We should have asked Dick Bedore when he was here. We didn't do it. Uh, Steve Spurrier was heavily interested in the Carolina job if it came open during the 2004 season. This is when John Bunning was in some trouble as the head coach. But then Carolina beat Miami in that game. The Connor Barth made the kick, had a great, had a very strong end of the season, won a few more games, got to a bowl. And John Bunning ended up staying on for a couple more seasons as as Carolina's head coach. 
uh, one of those giant kind of what ifs. And again, a story that I think a lot of Carolina folks maybe knew, but now is out there in in the public. Certainly, an interesting what if. It was the first time I had heard Spurrier talk about it. Yes, it's the first time. Yes, that I've ever seen it out in public or heard him discuss it. He said uh, in the story, Spurrier says. It was one of their big money guys. He's talking about who had approached him about the Carolina job. And I don't want to mention his name, Spurrier said, because I'm throwing him under the bus already by yeah. giving you a quote in The Athletic. I said, sure, I'd be interested. At the time, that job was probably more attractive than South Carolina as far as facilities go. I knew a few people there and so forth from my time coaching at Duke, but I'm glad it didn't work out. What do we think would have happened if that would have happened? Certainly, Steve Spurrier had a successful run at South Carolina. Yeah. But we talk about fit all the time. That that would have been an interesting marriage. That would have been a bad fit. Yeah. Uh, there's plenty of people who remember him taking his picture under the right. scoreboard. And I understand that was a different time. But that's hard to get my mind around. But can he coach? Yes. Oh, yeah. Would I mean, the Tar Heels have probably gone to some sort of bowl every year? Probably so. But – Hard to, hard to, it is a marriage, again, it's a combination that's hard to envision. Yes. All right. Um, Tariels are going to sell beer and wine in Keenan Stadium, Adam. Mm. You heard Dick Bedore talk about this uh, during the interview a, a few minutes ago. I guess I understand why this is a, a, a hot-button topic for some people. I just, me personally, I don't think it's a big deal. I think it's very obvious from the way that Carolina is approaching it that they're doing it carefully, kind of dipping their toes in the water to see how it all works out and then possibly expand it or change things after that. To me, it's a reality of 2019. It was probably a reality of 1995, quite honestly. It just was a different time for Carolina. Um, and it once it became, once it was law in North Carolina, once the state passed, I mean, it, it was obvious what was going to happen. Yeah. Yep, that's right. <laughs> I'd be interested to see how it goes. Yeah, I, I just don't think it's, again, I understand why it's a hot-button topic, and uh, as we discussed with Dick Bedore in the interview, I understand the history of it with Carolina. I, I just, I don't think it's going to be as big a deal from the negative side as people seem to think that it could be. And and I sort of don't understand why it's such a big deal from the positive side. But why why is it so essential to your experience at the game? I think it is this is my opinion. These I mean we all know you've got plenty of beer <laughs> right. up there in the press right. box, Jen. Right. So let's just go ahead and say this is not some kind of official Tar Heel statement on right. this. This yeah. is Adam in my opinion on this. I think it's purely a financial decision. Right. I mean, people are going to buy it. And it, and I'm going to break some news to folks. There's already people that have uh, right. things to drink that they're bringing into the stadium. So why not, if you're Carolina, you can provide it in a way that you're going to get some money. And in the way that they're doing it, you're only allowed to buy one at a time. There isn't a section by the student sector. I mean, some of that's kind of just for visual part of it. And legal. And legal part of it, sure. Um, I, I just think for a lot of people, it is a part of the game day experience. They want it, so why not provide the service that a lot of people want? And it's already 
the alcohol there's already it's in the blue zone. I mean it's all and it's I think it's in the Pope box. I may be wrong about that, but I think it is. Um so I mean it's already been available in some spots and now you're just opening it up to everybody. You know when people will definitely all be in favor of it? If Carolina goes twelve and zero and goes to yeah, the yeah. playoff. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's see. Yeah, plus now I can stock that fridge up in the booth by third quarter. Who knows what I'm going to be talking yeah, about? Yeah, that's right. No, he's not. <laughs> really? I don't know if he <laughs> no, is. is he? I, I can't tell. <laughs> Lee, what do you see down there, buddy? <laughs> um, I was going to give a what up to former podcast Landon mm. Turner. Oh. Picked up by the Seahawks. Oh, I didn't see that. Good. Uh, so he'll be in camp with them and hopefully can, can stick through the season, part of the season. We've I had forgotten until we went back and did the Mac to Mac teams mm-hmm. how good he was. Yeah, it's so funny. I mean, not funny, and it's not funny to Landon, I'm sure. But I think probably if you listen to that interview that we had with Landon, which was this past spring, sometime, I mean, he's just right there. It's like he's never totally out, but he can't quite get that last step to to be consistently there every with the team, you know, week in and week out. Gosh, I, I know that has to be frustrating it was i mean he talked about that just how frustrating it is um gosh i hope it works out for me such a nice guy and every time you think it's awesome to be a pro athlete yeah remember you might get a call on a tuesday and say hey tomorrow at 9 a.m can you be in seattle right because and could you learn all the plays before you get here so you don't screw it up yep because russell wilson doesn't like it when you don't (laughs) block for him um okay i'm gonna go a double one here adam i had a couple of events that i hosted this past week just I'm only bringing them up because I was there. And the most important one? Yeah. Uh, We were, Monday night had the premiere viewing of a documentary about the field hockey national championship from a year ago. It was produced by students from the media, journalism, media, media journalism school at Carolina. Um and about 30 minutes long or so. It was supposed to be in Karen Shelton Stadium, this event, but bad weather, the potential for lightning moved it inside. So we were in Carmichael. Had a couple hundred people there to check it out. Um, viewed the uh, documentary, you know, introduced the field hockey team, a couple different things. And it was, uh, they did a really good job. Um, it was in a neat kind of marriage of the academic and athletic side of things because you have these students from from Carolina who, by the way, uh, the media journalism school, uh, national champions in their own right. They have this thing called the Hearst competitions, which are big deals in the academic media journalism world. And Carolina's won it four out of the last five years and eight times, I think, since 02 or 03 or something like that. And so um, they've been really successful on this national level at this competition, and and these students were part of that. And so um, having them uh, get to highlight the field hockey team and the terrific season they had, and it was just a dominant year, 23-0, 20 wins by two goals or more for the field hockey team, not really honestly challenged that much in, in the postseason so it just a, a nice event um, highlighting a, a great achievement. To me, that's a natural to end up on the ACC network at some point. I mean, I think there will be programming. Li- I mean, something like that, right. yes. I, I think stuff like and and I think that's where you will see perhaps the, the biggest plus of the ACC network is going to be for Olympic sports and for uh, women's sports because I think you're going to have a lot more coverage of those those type of sports it just more 
availability. Uh, you'll see more games. I think there'll be more behind-the-scenes kind of things like that. And so I do think that you'll have that up. I don't know if this particular one will end up, but I, I think those type of things will be much more prevalent moving forward, which is going to be a great benefit for all the programs in the in the ACC. Also, just kind of a neat the, – the ending to that event, and I hope – I think I'm going to get this gentleman's name right. It was Clarence Whitefield. Mr. Whitefield was a 1944 Carolina graduate. And at the end of the event, you know, everybody sang the alma mater, and Mr. Whitefield led it by playing the harmonica. And I got to go up and was, like, holding the mic you know, up on the harmonica. And just uh, it was a really fun moment. I saw that on Twitter. Someone tweeted oh, really? it out. Yeah. How did how I do? Well, you weren't holding on the, the harmonica. Holding the microphone. Well, all they showed was the crowd, and you uh, could hear the harmonica. Well. Yeah, like they think that's important. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway, a little mini what up to Mr. Whitefield. Yep. Then uh, the next morning, that was Tuesday morning, had the uh, all-staff meeting for Carolina Athletics, which is kind of the kickoff of the year for the department. I mean, not that you haven't been working during the summer, but it's just the, hey, everybody get together, let's have a great spring or great fall kind of thing. And uh, the thing that struck me the most was just how many, and this happens all the time, but just how many new people there are working in the department. And a lot of those are people who are in some kind of internship or um, part-time position and so, something like that that are only planning on being here a year or two or whatever. But the other part of that was just the the five new coaches because Mac Brown got up and just said a quick word and then had his staff introduce itself. All the new coaches did. Uh, Courtney Bankhart, women's basketball, fencing, swimming and diving, track and field. You know, so you had all these new coaches uh, and their new staff members. And it just it just struck me about, man, this – and even speaking to Mr. Bedore, I mean, it's just – the page has, has been turning for a while from one era of Carolina athletics to another, and there's still plenty of people who have been here a long time. Um, but it just – the page turned a little bit more, I thought, when I was viewing that on Tuesday morning. Pluses and minuses to that. Yeah. But sands through an hourglass. Yeah. yeah. The only the only constant, Adam, is change. <laughs> uh, I had a few tweets that I thought uh, we should mention. Frank Vickers asked us a good question. Okay. Do we think Julius Peppers is the best athlete in Carolina history? And Frank made it sound like this was a tough choice, but the more I got to thinking about it, I'm not sure. I, I think he is. I mean, and that's not to say he's the most accomplished, although he certainly is extraordinarily accomplished. Right. I mean, if we're just talking about pure athleticism. Right. I mean, when you combine the, – the difference, not that this is breaking news, is how big he is. It, it's the combination of the size and athleticism. I, I don't think there's ever been anybody else with that combination in Carolina history. I mean, as you said, it's athleticism. And the ability to do two different sports at such a high level. We've we've seen high-level athletes in one certain sport try to go just mess around and play another yeah. sport, and they can't do it. They look right. like a baby right? because it's hard to do. Tyrell Godwin, maybe, but he's yeah. not on the Julius Peppers level of being able to do it at a high level. Right. So I, I, I think, and, and Frank said it, tough choice. I'm not sure it is. I, th- I think it has to be Julius Peppers yeah. in our era. Right, and and that's important because then I think if you're of an older, you could say, oh, well, Choo Choo Justice did all these different things, and, and that's true. And there's plenty of guys who are great track athletes who are, do other things, but 
uh, it certainly in recent memory, that's I think Julius Peppers is the obvious choice. And there are some multi-sport Letterman right. further back. Yeah. But Shoot, that, Albert Long played like four or five different sports. All at the same time while writing a book. <laughs> um, but that's not – we didn't see them. Right. It's hard to judge athleticism if you didn't see them right. in person. Uh, Ryan Cook asked a good question that I, I should have I should have mentioned this. He wanted to know, did Brianna's phone work after the glacier? It's a question that's been burning on a lot of people's minds. Yes. Well, as you know, Brianna is such an idiot. Yeah, we've heard. When she got back to the helicopter base. That that, uh, that programming decision that Brianna made. Right. The new network. Yeah. Questionable. <laughs> yeah. Uh, when she got back to helicopter base, she got a stern lecture from her brother, whose name I believe you said was Chad. <laughs> and Brianna was trying to explain <laughs> why it was that she thought her phone might work. Chad then, <laughs> in in this much smaller room where you take off your glacier right. shoes. Right, oh yeah. The, uh, mud, the mud, the uh, a mud room right. of sorts. It's so really an ice room. We're all taking our, our glacier shoes off, and all of a sudden we hear, Brianna, it's like when a fish tank breaks. The water all comes out, and it spreads out. Wow. And it sinks in, and the fish can't survive. <laughs> I'm not sure that analogy works, Chad. It, it doesn't. <laughs> But I'm going to take this to mean that Brianna's phone probably did not survive the glacier. That's a shame, too, because that dad really worked hard for the bubble, man. Yeah. I I think it it was sort of – you know how when your phone kind of works, <laughs> but yeah. you're getting the impression oh, yeah. that it's on, it's given <laughs> that, out? Yeah, that it's uh, that it that there's one inevitable right. place that you're going. And you're trying to save all your 15,000 pictures <laughs> in the next three minutes that you have before it no, doesn't work anymore. Oh, my high score on solitaire. <laughs> <laughs> Take a picture of this trivia crack. Um, so I, I think that it ended up not working. Oh, poor Brianna. Yeah. Uh, I thought Michelle Lawler made a good point about our friends with the turtles. Maybe they had the backpack, Michelle said, that had the lunch bag so they could have fit more turtles in there. And she sent a picture of said backpack that has detachable lunch bag. Can I just say that I really enjoyed looking up Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle songs <laughs> to add into that part of the pie, and I ended up going with the more modern mm -hmm. version yep. than the than the classic one that probably you and I remember. But I thought it had a nice little feel to it. Adam. Yeah. It, well, it, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> you being a millennial, you would yeah. like that one. Yeah. He was in a jail. Turtle power. Are you? Is that portion of your? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Are you done, Adam? Uh, let me let me see. Hold on. Let me turn over in my Rolodex. Yeah. All right. I have my last one. Adam, it happened again. Uh oh. I got racer in the ear. I got Grubard. Uh oh. So. <laughs> okay. So if you remember correctly, a couple things have happened. This is like a combination of two stories into one story. Mm -hmm. On one, on one hand, Adam, you've got the Grubar incident. Right. Where, if you're new to the pod, I was introducing the final four teams from 67, 68, 69 on the Smith Center floor. Mm -hmm. Dick Grubar's name was not on the list. <laughs> it wasn't on the card, Jones. Yeah. This is problematic because Dick Grubar was there. Not only was he there, but he was a very influential player during this time period. Very good player for the Tariels. So I didn't announce his name. Larry Brown wanted to kill me, as we remember. <laughs> <laughs> and I had to try to cover up for it best I could by bringing Dick Grubar back out. <gasps> Two of us had a nice moment at midcourt. <laughs> so that's one story. On this hand, Adam, 
We've got the Patty slash Sherry story. Oh, yeah. Where our good friend John Montgomery, executive director of the Rams Club, his, his wife's name is Sherry. Right. I was walking behind Sherry at an event, and I saw her in front of me, and I went, Hey, Patty! <laughs> Patty! <laughs> and, of course, Sherry didn't turn around because her name's Sherry, oh, not Patty. That story will never be not funny. <laughs> so, we've got the Grubar. Right. We've got the Sherry slash Patty. Right. Now, Adam, let's smash those two things together. I'm going to take you back to Monday night in Carmichael Arena. Okay. So we're at the field hockey event. And before we run the video, I purposely, by the way, did not tell Adam this story, even though I badly wanted to, <laughs> for him to hear it the first time live here on the pod. So we're, before we show the video, um, I was naming a couple people who were there because there were a bunch of like, Four or five different teams were there and coaches and Bubba was there and, you know, just some people like, hey, these folks are here. Dean of the media or journalism media, uh, Dean King was there. So anyway, one of those people, Adam, was the interim chancellor at the University of North Carolina, Kevin Gustowitz, Uh who, by the way, big Kevin Gustowitz fan, has a lot of background in athletics. He uh really has made ground-breaking uh, changes in the world of concussions with his research that really shaped the way that both college football, pro football handle concussions now. Um, big-time Tar Heel, big-time athletics fan, just a good dude. And Maybe he'll be on the pod. We would love to have him anytime. Currently interim chancellor. Of course, there is a full-time chancellor search, and he will, as he should be, be heavily in the mix in that search. So I said, uh, oh, so excited, you know, that – the interim chancellor here at Carolina, Kevin Guskowitz, is here, and his lovely wife, Pam. That, Adam, is what was on the card. <laughs> so, everything's going fine. Oh, boy. We start the video. I exit to go to the back. I then get about three or four text messages <laughs> from folks in attendance <laughs> informing me that the chancellor's wife is not Pam, but it's Amy. <laughs> uh, Pammy, just put them together. <laughs> so, you were thinking Spottaville. That's probably Pam. what it was, yeah. No, I, you know what I was thinking, Adam? My sheet said Pam. Where'd you get the sheet? It was provided to me by the organizers of the event. Uh, we it, should name them and provide their email addresses. I will not do that. So, I have to think, Adam... How am I going to fix this? Yeah. Right? <laughs> Luckily, you've got experience. <laughs> That's right. There is no one in the world more equipped to handle this than me. Look, this is nothing I hadn't done before, guys. Don't worry. No big deal. I got this. So I go back out after the documentary is finished. And we are about to announce, like, the people who produce the documentary and the field hockey team. I said, before we get to that... I need to clean up one mistake from earlier. I said, you would think that we would be able to get the chancellor's wife's name correct. And I'm going to be honest with you guys. I don't know who Pam is. <laughs> I said, however, the chancellor's wife, Amy, is here tonight. And it's on her. You know, and I said, and chancellor, who, whoever Pam is, I got my eyes on <laughs> And to 
his credit, I mean, it, he was laughing, going like, oh, no, 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 you know, joking around. And I went up and said some, something to him afterwards, and he said, oh, if that's the only mistake you make this year, you've had a heck of a year or something. I mean, it was – and I spoke to her too, and they – it was just a funny moment. But, Adam, I knew – I knew you would enjoy it when you can put two great pod stories together and force them into a story. Here is the moral of the story, Adam. Give me the correct names. <laughs> if I'm emceeing your event. Why would you write down Pam if it's Amy? Well, two of the three I letters. Mean, not, not you. <laughs> two of the three letters are the same. <laughs> All right, we're giving you an anagram for the <laughs> chancellor's wife's name. Now see if you can decode the message. Here's Kevin Gustowitz and Map, his, lo- <laughs> his lovely wife. <laughs> Thank goodness they didn't scramble up Guskowitz. That could have taken forever. <laughs> <laughs> so the interim chancellor probably not going to be on the pod is what I've learned from this story. Uh, wow. Well, and what people don't know is in some of these situations, like the Grubar situation, you get the card as you go out there. So right. there's, there's no time to proofread. Right. You don't have time to fact check with all your various interns. Uh, I'm sure I, 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 I guess I should have fact checked it, Adam. I just kind of assumed that would be a correct fact on the sheet I received. The chancellor's wife. I mean, that's right. towards the top of the things you'd want to be right. <sighs> Adam, anything else? Tough week. <laughs> just get that out of the way before the season yeah. starts. And we're good. Everything will be fine. Everything's fine. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to get out of here next week. We'll be focusing on Carolina, South Carolina. Have some more football guests. Adam? It's been a pleasure, sir, as always. (laughs) For now, we're going to let Dick Bedore and the RZA send us out here on the latest edition of the Carolina Insider. This is Dick Bedore. So when I think about BG, just when I think about BG, that could mean Bill Guthridge. We We called him BG. Or it could be big guy. I mean, Eric... Montrose, he's he's a big guy. It could be big guy. But for me, right now, in this moment, BG is big grits, big time, big grits. You go, guy. Box of sugar and a stick of margin. A hot pot of grits kept my family from starving. Steamy hot meal served less than five minutes. Big silver pot boiling water salt in it. House full of brothers and sisters, the pot's missing. Pilgrim on a box on the stove in the kitchen. When I was small, we had nothing at all. We used to eat. The preceding has been a Learfield IMG College presentation of the Tar Heel Sports Network.